Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 14th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a podcast of a recorded interview done per Zoom by Ian Salick with Thelma Hutchison, President of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in 2019-2020. The interview was first played by Jonathan Shepherd on his show on the 15th of May 2020. This is 94.1 FM 3 WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and you're listening to the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. I'm Ian Salick. Now it's my great pleasure to welcome to the program, per means of Zoom this evening, one of the nicest and hardest working leaders of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in the city of Burundara, its current Rotary president, Thelma Hutchison. Thelma Hutchison has been a great asset to the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in District 9800 since she joined the club nearly seven years ago in June 2013 after being a member of Rotary in District 9820 in Gippsland, where she initially lived. Thelma has made her presence within the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry felt strongly through leading by example, as she did very recently in helping to facilitate bushfire relief work near her hometown in Gippsland. Thelma Hutchison, a very, very warm welcome to the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone. Thank you, Ian. It's very nice to be with you. It's great to have you with us this evening. Um, And I have to admit to our listeners that Thelma is my Rotary Club's president. So I've known Thelma for some time and I'm sure you're going to enjoy what Thelma has got to tell us. As I often do, we'll be having two interview segments with Thelma. The first will be to get to know Thelma, the person. And then in a second chat, I'm going to ask Thelma to give us some insights into the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry that she has been leading so effectively in this 2019-2020 year. Great to have you with us, Thelma. Thanks, Ian. Thelma, where were you born? In I was born in Camperdown, southwest Victoria. My parents were farmers with a 300-acre property in Hawksdale, where we had dairy cattle. When I was 11, my parents sold that property and moved to the southeast of Melbourne, where they swapped from dairy to poultry farming at Hampton Park. And of course, as the population increased in Dandenong and started to spread south and east, land for housing subdivisions uh, became very attractive. Uh, and my parents sold that property and bought their final one uh, south of Pakenham, where they raised beef cattle. My mother, however, never lost her love of dairy cattle and continued always to have two or three special cows that would carve (laughs) each year on a rotational basis. Uh, And she milked and provided the family with milk, cream and butter. And I, too, have a very soft spot for dairy cows. Well, did you have to get up early in the morning, Thelma, and do the the milking? There were many tasks that I was involved with, but milking of the cows was pretty much mum's domain. How very lucky you were not to be getting out of bed at 5am. Now, was yours a large family? Yes, yes. Look, I'm the third child of six, five girls and one boy. And Ian, we had a 
very happy home life. There were no luxuries and it was often difficult to balance the budget. And we certainly knew the difference between wanting something and needing it. Very important. Last year, one of my older sisters passed away unexpectedly. And, and that was a difficult time as we are a close-knit family and uh, so celebrate birthdays and other special occasions. Uh, so all siblings, remaining siblings, currently Zoom on a weekly basis. As we are this evening, and uh, it's a great medium, it's been so popular, uh, we found out that uh, last December there were something like 10 million Zoomers worldwide, and by March I think the figure has risen to something like 200 million. Now, where did you go to school and, and what did you most enjoy about it? I started my primary education at the Hawksdale Consolidated School as a mid-year prep intake uh, due to my birthday falling in July. I was in a composite grade and moved into grade one six months later, spending five years at that school before our family moved. And then, um, then I attended Hampton Park Primary. My secondary education was at Dandenong Girls High School. I very much enjoyed reading, writing, numbers and the business stream where shorthand and typing were particularly good subjects for me. I was a shy person. And, uh, and I had one amazing friend through school, the Hampton Park Primary School and then the Dandenong Girls High School. Uh, but I always lacked confidence in a group setting. I don't notice that at all now, Thelma. <laughs> well, there were, over time uh, and through experience, I've learned how to manage that shyness, I think, Ian, it's fair to say. You're doing it very well. <laughs> But as I mentioned earlier, our family had limited means. And as children, especially girls, we were encouraged to leave school as soon as legally possible, find employment and contribute back to the family budget. After Form 5, which is the equivalent of Year 11 today, I was encouraged and successfully applied for a secretarial position at Dandenong Technical School, an all-boys school. Working in an educational environment gave me a great insight into the value of study. And it was there that I started to think about what a career meant and how I might combine work with study. And what age were you when you started to think seriously about the future? A lot of young people don't do that till after they leave school, but it's impressive that you were thinking about that when you were actually at school and earlier on. Well, I was thinking about it during my first position, employment position at Dandenong Technical School. Uh, but of course, thinking about it and musing about it, uh, I during that time, I met and married my first husband. So love took over. He was a qualified structural engineer and has a huge sense of adventure. And I found that infectious and I embraced and loved the new experiences that, that we were we were enjoying things like hiking, camping, snow skiing and water sport. And shortly after we married, we decided to build a boat, a 35-foot ferro-cement yacht in oh, our backyard. God, you're a dark horse, though. <laughs> that we were going to sail around the world. The building project took seven years. <laughs> and during that time, we had two children, Simon and Amanda. Ian, we didn't make it around the world in our yacht, but we did spend two years sailing as a family from Melbourne to Sydney and up the coast to Lizard Island, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands and New Guinea. It was an incredible adventure. The children were four and six at the time and we managed their schooling on board, you know, working to a fairly unusual timetable. Interestingly, we kept a comprehensive diary that included drawings and sketches. And I was delighted recently that my son 
was reading it with his daughter, who is seven years old, the same age that Simon was when we took the journey. And Thelma, could I just ask you, was it a nervous experience with the kids on board the boat? Were you concerned about them falling overboard? Did they have to wear life jackets the whole time? Yes, there were some, uh, yeah, there were some frightening moments, Ian, where uh, we encountered gales and, and everyone was uh, required to wear life jackets and uh, whenever we were out in the cockpit we were harnessed and we wore harnesses to the boat uh, that were attached to the boat uh, as well what a a rugged Um, existence it's i don't know what something changes as you get older about decision making but um we're all we all feel a bit invincible i think as as young people going out into the world and and having adventures i'm not sure if i'd make the same decision now as <laughs> at that time but it did mean that um i was very much into the family and and we very much enjoyed these these family adventures at that time so um when i say so, yes we came got back from the the sailing trip and uh, and we settled in east gippsland uh for over 20 years and despite the fact that my former husband and I are not together now, we, we do remain very That's good friends. Good. Very good. Well, Thelma, uh, after that, after uh, you, you went on to do some tertiary study, didn't you? I did, Ian, yes. So whilst living in East Gippsland, I studied a Bachelor of Business uh, through Monash University as a mature age student and then went on to become a a certified practicing accountant. Well done. And Thelma, what what did you do? How did you use that after you finished all that uh, study? How did you apply it? I worked as the chief financial officer as part of the executive team with Gippsland Lakes Community Health for many years. Uh, it was, and and it still is, uh, a vibrant and growing organisation um, with a highly skilled CEO uh, and a great team of people. And I think it was during during my time with that organisation uh, that I gained significant experience and confidence in myself. Uh, and that has still been good stead over the years. It has, Thelma. And then in 2013, I decided to seek work in Melbourne uh, and move closer to the children who were both by then married with children of their own and uh, and both living in the in the northern suburbs i worked with inner east community health service in richmond some of your listeners might know that organization i worked there as their cfo for three years and then moved to part-time work uh, as business manager with the child migrants trust and whilst i was in melbourne ian two very important things happened the first was that i met andrew and we discovered we had much in common including a love of adventure physically challenging ourselves the cinema, and the importance of family and friends. And in November 2019, we sealed the deal and celebrated our marriage with a terrific party. Wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. And Andrew's a doctor, isn't he? But is he retired now? He is a retired obstetrician. Uh, He has now established a conveyancing, property conveyancing business. Now, you might think that is quite a big jump. He changed. He does tell me that... um, it still requires uh, uh, dealing and counselling people who have some stress about where they are in their life. I bet it like, does. I quite bet often, it does too. A, a property is one of the biggest um, biggest investments of your life. 
very interesting uh, changes in, in your life. I mean, the way you started your life and then you go onto a yacht sailing around in the Pacific. You come back and you complete this accounting qualification and you work in business and then you meet Andrew, a doctor, and then he changes. I was talking about a sea change, as I just said. He changes and does conveyancing. You, you, you've got a, 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 you know, a multifunctional approach to life, you two, obviously. So what did you do after, after you know, you're married? You've, you've done some study uh, in, in governance. Uh, t- tell us yes. a little bit about that. I'm aware of that. Yes. So that was the second thing that I did when I came to Melbourne. So I studied governance through the Australian Institute of Company Directors, and I'm now a qualified graduate. And what this qualification has meant for me is a transition from management accounting to governance work. And and that is now the focus of my employment. So in 2014, I was appointed as a non-executive director to Workways Australia, uh, which is a not-for-profit organisation delivering employment, environment and youth services to the most disadvantaged in communities across Eastern Australia. Uh, I was appointed chair of that board in my second year, and I've held that position now for five years. It's tough work sometimes, particularly in the current COVID-19 environment, as you could imagine. Yes. My background in accounting, though, has also been helpful in applying successfully for independent member roles on several audit and risk committees. And I currently serve on two Aboriginal organisations. I'm on the Gunai Kurnai Traditional Owners Land and Management Board, the Lewitcher National Research Institute, and I also have membership on East Gippsland Catchment Management Authority and East Gippsland Water. You're a very, very busy person, Thelma, and as I say, uh, we're getting to know you even better in the Rotary Club of Glenferry, and hopefully <clears throat> all our club members will be listening to this because this is a real expose of your incredibly different life that we haven't got to know as well, uh, even in your very, very distinguished role as president of our club. But you initially, didn't you? You initially joined uh, a Rotary Club in Gippsland, as I mentioned very early on in this chat we're having. Uh, you initially joined a club in the Rotary District of 9820 in Gippsland. Can you tell us a little bit about that before you then joined the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry? Yes, I joined the Bensdale Sunrise Rotary Club in 2011. And to be honest, Ian, I knew very little about Rotary then. And I was motivated by my friends who would talk about the work of the club. And as a social side of me has always been attracted to groups, I decided I wanted to give this a go. Uh, And I enjoyed my time there. I was there for two years. It was quite a progressive club uh, and a relatively new. uh, and, And so I started to learn about service above self and and about the activities that um, that Rotary are involved in. So when I moved to, well, quite coincidentally, really, when I moved to Melbourne, my next door neighbour was Kate Hopper. And some of your listeners will remember Kate's late husband, Jeff Hopper, who was a member of Glenferry Rotary Club for many years and president in 2003-2004. As soon as Kate knew I was interested in transferring my membership in Melbourne, it was clear that Glenferry was going to be in the mix. (laughs) I tried out several clubs, but ultimately I joined Glenferry because I felt at ease with the members who were very welcoming. There was a broad spread of activities, including the highly successful Sumba International Project, And I sensed it was a go-ahead club, and I haven't been disappointed. It certainly proved to be the case. And we haven't been disappointed with you, Thelma. You've been a shining example 
uh, as a leader in our club. And what roles have you held since you've been with the Rotary Club of Glenferry? I became a member of the youth committee when I first joined. Uh, and within a couple of years, I was the director of that avenue of service. I've always had an interest in young people and the fit seemed right for me. We were supporting young people to attend the National Youth Science Forum, the Science Experience, Rotary Youth Leadership Awards, and we successfully coordinated the MUNA, the debating competition based on the United Nations Assembly rules for two years. I might just mention to those non-Rotarians that are listening to our show that MUNA stands for Model United Nations Assembly, and it is, as you say, a a great debating venue for points of view, training our future leaders to speak authoritatively on many topics that they're given. Uh, it is a, a wonderful uh, weekend that our young people have, that the club uh, has taken a leadership role in. Now, tell us about uh, the students that you sometimes invite to the dinner meeting. Yes, I was especially keen to showcase students and young people uh, to our members uh, who could not only not only be exposed to young people, but they could they would also provide an audience for students to practice and hone their debating and public speaking skills. Uh, and one year we teamed up with Westall Secondary College as Charles Tran, president of the Glenferry Club last year, was teaching at that school. The school had a cohort of students from migrant and refugee families. So we had a literary competition and the topic was my migration story. The students were invited to submit entries and we received about 15. And the three students whose stories were selected as the best attended our meeting where they read their story and took questions. It was poignant, immensely interesting, and it gave a first-hand insight into the courage and difficulties faced by these young people as they adapted to their new world. I don't think we realise, do we, Thelma, the struggle that new migrants have in assimilating into the Australian way of life, uh, which if we're born here, we just take for granted. But it is a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenging time. Mm -hmm. So a, a great activity to be involved with. Now, now Thelma, uh, this is something that I know is very close to your heart that you're going to talk about. Um, we discussed this before we started this formal interview, uh, but there was something in Rotary District uh, 9800 uh, that Glen Ferry belongs to that is something very close to your heart and it's very supportive of an activity, I should say, that is very close to your heart, something that we just uh, were involved in as a club. You may care to enlighten our listeners about this, this latest activity. Yes, Ian. I've been an active recreational road cyclist for many years. And um, as a member of Bensdale Sunrise, I'd ridden with District 9820 to two of their conferences. And a member at Glenferry asked me why I didn't participate in the District 9800 ride. So in 2017, I made inquiries, met the organisers, and I learnt about ROCAN, Rotary Against Ovarian Cancer. All funds raised from the ride to conference are used for ovarian cancer research and the establishment of a cancer wellness and accommodation centre, which will be located in Werribee. And once up and running, this facility will be a resource for cancer patients and their families from rural areas. The land has already been purchased and I understand construction uh, will commence in the near future. On the ride, I met the late Yvonne Moon, OAM and 
co-founder of Rokan. And I was so impressed at her passion, her vision, and her boundless energy for, for this cause. It turned out that a very close friend of Yvonne's had died from ovarian cancer as a young mother. And Yvonne was committed to fundraise and, and make a difference for others. We became friends. And as you may recall, Ian, that Yvonne and Fred, her husband, were guests at my changeover dinner last year. I recall it very well, Thelma, and uh, it was only last year that I interviewed uh, the very lovely Yvonne Moon, whose passion and commitment to funding research for ovarian cancer was just unparalleled, certainly in our district, although she had a very good support group, but she was the leader of that, and uh, it was a very, very sad occasion, Uh, and uh, I know their family may be listening to your comments and uh, we certainly send them our condolences and I know they want to have some sort of a party I think to celebrate Yvonne's life after all this wretched COVID isolation has finished so well anyway you you went on to you you went on to become very committed to this and you've done some writing for that group haven't you? I did so I wrote in 2017 and 18 with the peloton of 30 writers and then Andrew joined me on the 2019 ride from Sydney to Melbourne, where we raised uh, funds in excess of $100,000. A wonderful evidence. When you say you went on a ride, just to let our listeners know that, that are not aware of this, there is a usually an annual conference, although this year it's going to be on, 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 uh, online, uh, I would think, or certainly a changeover will be online. But um, interestingly, you don't ride exactly to the destination, do you? You go on a very circuitous route to a conference here if it if it was if it was going to be held in Bendigo as it is now unfortunately not the case uh, but if it was held in Bendigo you wouldn't go straight to Bendigo you'd you'd go out west wouldn't you you'd probably go towards Mount Gambia <laughs> and then double back which is a wonderful physical effort but uh, that's right that's right generally the ride to conference is uh, run over seven days and we would ride about 700 kilometres. The, the Sydney to Melbourne ride was 1,000 kilometres. So it's a challenge, a huge challenge. <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful thing to do and it's, in such a, it's for such a wonderful good cause. It's in such good spirit. You know, quite sadly, well, we registered again this year, but of course, as you know, that um, all events in relation to the district conference were cancelled. And, and this was, was particularly sad as Yvonne passed away at the end of March. And given the COVID-19 restriction, we were unable to attend the funeral service in person. However, Andrew and I felt very honoured to be asked to accompany the hearse on our bicycles as a tribute to a wonderful person, committed Rotarian, past president of the Rotary Club of Williamstown and Paul Harris Fellow. Uh, And as you say, there will be a memorial ride later this year or as soon as the restrictions have been lifted. It was a beautiful thing to do and uh, we did watch Yvonne's funeral, some of us. Uh, it, was, it was put up online and yes. it was a very moving service uh, and uh, I, I just can't express the sadness that the district had uh, enough for Yvonne Moon and her wonderful work. Well, Thelma, thank you for letting us get to know you a little better um we're going to take a short break as we usually do during these chats uh, and uh, when we come back i'm going to ask you to give us some insights into uh, our rotary club of glen ferry uh, that as i said at the start you have been leading so effectively in this uh, as it's ending a very difficult 2019 2020 year thank you Ian. 
Welcome back. This is 94.1 FM 3 WBC, the voice of the Inner East, and we're talking with Thelma Hutchison, the current president of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in this Rotary year 2019-2020. Certainly with home isolation, ending the Rotary year in a very different way. Now, Thelma, what were your first impressions of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry? Remember, all our members are listening, but I want you to be as frank and as open as you can. Don't hold anything back. Right. I shan't hold back, Ian. So three things I'll mention. Warmth and inclusion, and I think I referred to that earlier. You did. It's quite daunting as a potential new member to front up to a dinner where you don't know anyone. And what we do at Glen Ferry is to nominate specific members to look after guests. Uh, And Michael Berry and Don Heath looked after me wonderfully well in my first few meetings when I was getting to know the club. Uh, And when guests become new members... Uh, we allocate a mentor for for six months to provide some guidance and information. So the warmth and inclusion was a really important impression for me. Good. Uh, there was a high percentage of males in 2013. Out of a group of 40 members, there were only five women. Uh, it was something I was not quite used to. And Bensdale Sunrise, it was the other way. The club was uh, uh, heavily weighted towards females. Now, since then, as you know, Ian, we've inducted several new female members and our gender balance now, which these figures include our honorary members, is now 25% female compared to 75% male. Not quite the (laughs) (laughs) 50-50 that you're (laughs) aiming for, but much better than uh, much better than the start. And most clubs, I'm pleased to say, in District 9800 are moving towards that. Some are better than others, but... uh, 25% is well on the right track. And the third impression I had was uh, the the breadth of club activities from local to international. And it was easy to get involved. And and I remember one of my first activities was as a volunteer at the farmer's market, a really good way to get to know other members. This is the Burundara farmer's market for our Mm. non-rotary listeners, which is held, usually held, not in these current times it's been temporarily suspended but usually held on the third Saturday of every month or on a fifth Saturday when that occurs so that's a great um, coming together of the community and a great opportunity isn't it for Rotarians especially new members as you were just indicating to mix and get to know other members. Yes very much so Ian. At the club you may care to tell us if you find that there is a good mix of backgrounds and you've, you've mentioned gender, uh, which has certainly improved greatly, but what about backgrounds? Is there a good mix of backgrounds? Hmm. Well, there is a greater degree of ethnic diversity now and uh, we've attracted younger members, which has uh, pleasingly seen a significant decrease in the average age of our membership. So we, we haven't had a lot of resignations, uh, but we have we have had some new, young younger people join the club. We and I think always... that's, it's been great, hasn't it? Uh, and, and I think we've got to thank one of our current members, uh, Robert Winspear, who last year, and it's been continued this year by uh, Elizabeth Dumonic, but, but certainly um, Robert Winspear went out of his way to recruit a lot of 
new members and a lot of them young members, some of whom currently work still, but uh, it's not just a club for uh, male uh, retirees and uh, Mm. you're indicating that very clearly. Uh, It's an active club. That's right, Ian. So we do get a, we get greater diversity of opinions uh, and interests and and I think all of that uh, makes for a good mix of membership and commitment to the club. It does, and we are a very friendly club, and it's and it's very obvious when we have our meetings, which are, are currently we're doing online. We're getting a number of people online, aren't we, Thelma? Mm, uh, def- yeah, very good really attendance good. there. Very good. I mean, I think we can always do do better, and and membership growth in is an important part of our future. Very much so. Now, for those of our listeners. Uh, who are not yet Rotarians, and we hope this interview might encourage some of them to become Rotarians. What is actually involved in being a president uh, of a club like the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry? What do you do for all of your presidential time? Well, Ian, I see the president's role as one where I need to provide leadership through, through collaboration and consultation with members with our cluster, with other clubs and with the district. I think it's it's helpful to have, have some experience and knowledge of Rotary. But having said that, district run excellent programs and offer great support for presidents. I see probably the most important element of my, my role is to engage and empower members to put forward their ideas. And I want to give all members a voice and allow them to contribute in a way that's most meaningful to them. Not all Rotarians want to be a president or want to be president. And that's okay. It's not for everyone and it's not mandatory. But I think if you do choose to take on the role of president, there are a lot of people uh, and resources and you will be supported. And you have been supported and you have to be popular and like to be supported and you have been just that and you've done a a very good job. Uh, Thelma, you might care to mention some of the projects that Glen Ferry is involved with in the local community, although some of the activities have been curtailed. We mentioned the farmer's market a moment ago. Some of those activities have been curtailed in the current coronavirus environment. But uh, what are what are some of these local projects that Glen Ferry is involved with? Ian, just before I move on to that, uh, the response to that question, I I do want to uh, say that I have been extremely well supported in my role as president this year. I've been supported by the board. I've been supported by my mentors and I've been supported by the members. And it's made my job so much more enjoyable and uh, rewarding to have that support. And I sincerely thank our members, the cluster group district, uh, for the engagement that I've had. So, good, good but I will now summer. move on to our our, the, our projects. Yes, please. So I, I will mention some of them just briefly. Uh, they're all very important, though. Uh, and the local projects we've already mentioned: the farmers market. The farmers market represents our major source of revenue. It requires a significant number of volunteers, as you would know, Ian, on the day, and it's supported by a well-coordinated management team that make up the farmers market committee. We also have a bread run from Camberwell Baker's Delight to the Salvation Army Hall. The Salvation Army volunteers uh, put on a a lunch for the homeless on a weekly basis and they use 
the bread uh, and other other products from Baker's Delight as part of uh, of those lunches. The club holds a, an annual fundraising event to support mental health awareness, and this is part of the district's uh, Lift the Lid campaign. We work with a range of schools, Ian, and uh, in particular Auburn Secondary College, where we support young people by offering scholarships, sponsorship for students to attend debating competitions, science experience, and and leadership programs. We participate in Clean Up Australia events, Parkinson's Walk, tree plantings and and other community-based campaigns. And we also provide support for the Chances Scholarship Program and the Burundara Family Network. So there's a there's a wide range of, of local activities uh, and involvement by the club with within the community. Strongly done. And and what about the international projects that Glen Ferry involves itself with Thelma. Yes, well, we have two projects in our signature project, which is the Sumba Eye Care Program. And this is a partnership with the Rotary Club of Kew. Sumba is an island in Indonesia, and this program has been running successfully for 12 years under the guidance of Mark Ellis, uh, an ophthalmologist and, and also president elect for Glen Ferry. Uh, Mark has been involved from the outset, and I was very fortunate in August of 2019, just a month after changeover, uh, to go with the team to Sumba. And I experienced firsthand the value of the program to the local community. There are two components to the, to the program, uh, direct treatment, which includes eye testing and operations where necessary, and, and then training for the local eye care nurses and medical teams. It's an incredible program. I saw locals coming in blinded by blind, legally blind, through cataracts. Uh, They had their operation, and the next day when the bandages came off, they could see. The difference that makes to their lives and and to the lives of of those who care for them is, is quite huge. The second project is one we're just embarking on, and we have adopted a village in Vietnam. It's a, the village of Vothang, and it's in the northwest of Vietnam and is part of a group of projects being led by the Rotary Club of Baldwin and the Overseas Kids Foundation. The idea is to provide scholarships to students in the village, install services like water, toilets, libraries and schools, and to generally promote the welfare of the village. So this is a new one that was uh, that Rob Hogan brought to the board, and we've, um, we've we're very excited about getting this one off the ground. Good stuff, and and I know that the Rotary Club of Baldwin does a lot of good work, and especially through the auspices of the founder of that program, which is Rowan McLean. It's a, it's a just another international project. Rotary Club of Glen Ferry uh, has got very involved, and and it's 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 marvelous that we're doing all our community projects, certainly, but it is good to meld that with the international projects because we are a worldwide organisation. Thelma, for the last 10 months in your presidency, and I know this might be difficult, but what, what, do, you, what do you gauge are the, the biggest achievements that make you feel most proud? Well, they don't have to be the biggest, but perhaps the most impressive projects that make you feel most proud. Well, Ian, the, there have been many achievements this year and that's despite COVID-19 interrupting our flow in mid-March and I would mention four things that I feel particularly proud about and they are they are club achievements 
and they're only made possible because of the commitment and work of our members. The first one is, and it's a personal response and a, and a club response, but it's the club's response to the devastation in East Gippsland caused by the bushfires in December. The club generously donated $5,000 to the East Gippsland Fire Aid Committee. But more than that, a group of 15 Rotarians and friends spent a weekend in March working alongside the owners of a 40-hectare flower farm in Sarsfield, which had been completely burnt out, helping them, helping the owners to clean up the property. And me being a former member of the Sarsfield community, this meant a great deal uh, on a personal level. And, uh, and I want to thank Don Heath and those Rotarians and friends who attended that working bee uh, and the club for their support on that project. The second project is the Rotary 100 Year Project, which will celebrate 100 years of Rotary in Australia and New Zealand in 2021. Our club, Glen Ferry, through Don Moore, will be the lead club in a consortium comprising the Rotary clubs of Camberwell, Canterbury, Hawthorne and ourselves uh, to build a unique interactive playground feature as part of the new All Abilities Playground being erected by the city of Burundara at Yarrabank Reserve in Hawthorne. This project's uh, the design is um, occurring at the moment and this project will be completed in 2021 and Mark Ellis will have will will be able to launch that project in his year so it's lovely to be uh, at the at the beginning at the commencement of this program uh, project and and knowing that it's going to move on into next year the third one is uh, our support for an indigenous project the Yeyila Aboriginal Community School which is located between Halls Creek and Fitzroy Crossing project is about teaching students at the school how to dismantle and reassemble bicycles. It's a reasonably large school with 65 students uh, and, and uh, it, the range of uh, classes are from kindergarten to year 10. Uh, we applied successfully for a foundation grant to match our funds and these will be used for a week-long on-site program delivered by Bike Rescue. The initiative was proposed by Don Heath through the Community Services Committee and, and I feel proud that our club is supporting Indigenous projects uh, that are practical and, and will, be, will have good outcomes. The fourth, uh, the fourth and last one is the development and implementation of Club Runner. Richard Blakeman has worked tirelessly to bring us online and this program will provide a lot of advantages, including administrative efficiencies to our club. It's a great program, and uh, certainly in terms of the farmer's market and communication, it's going to be a real boon uh, to manage that uh, further into the future. Uh, and it gives an opportunity for all members, doesn't it, Vilma, to connect, seamlessly connect with each other through one club uh, internet program. It's a, it's a brilliant program. It's fully informative to get addresses and names. It's certainly just for club members. They have to log in individually. It's not publicly open to all people, but it's a great opportunity for members to see what the club is doing and to find out more about members and their profile. Thelma, this is an opportunity for you, I suggest, to encourage some of our listeners out there uh, to join Rotary Club of Glen Ferry. So when does the club usually meet? I know it's a very different time now, but when does it usually meet? I'm sure that's going to happen, hopefully not too uh, distant in the, in the future. When 
does the club usually meet and at what time? And how how is the club currently meeting, which we've already touched upon, but you might like to just elucidate a little further. Yes, certainly, Ian. Oh, we'd be delighted to hear from listeners who are non-Rotarians. Um, we normally, under normal circumstances, we would meet at the Kuyong Tennis Centre in Glenferry Road, uh, and we would meet for a dinner meeting on a Tuesday at 6.30 for a 7pm start. Generally finished by 8.15, and uh, we have guest speakers to most of our dinner meetings. We meet every week except the first Tuesday of the month. Now, because of the COVID-19 restrictions, as you said, Ian, we're meeting using Zoom on a fortnightly basis on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month. So our Zoom meetings in May will be 12th of May and 26th of May and at the new time of 7.15 for a 7.30 start. And again, we've, uh, we've got managed to learn the technology well enough that we will have our guest speaker, our guest speakers using uh, the Zoom to join us as well. Uh, so the second and the fourth Tuesdays uh, until the restrictions are listed. Now, all of these details can be found on our website. Website address is rotaryglenferry.org.au. And as I said, we would welcome any listener who may be interested in checking us out through Zoom, uh, but they would need to make contact by email through the website first. And please just mention that website address again. The website address is Rotary Glenferry, all one word, lowercase, .org.au. Okay, good stuff. Well, Thelma, thank you so much for talking to us on 94.1 FM 3WBC albeit per Zoom and not face-to-face as we enjoy doing so much with our guests. But to thank you for being part of the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. Thank you, Ian. It has been a great pleasure. And Thelma, it's been a real pleasure to hear good news. The work that you and your club have done under your presidency in this Rotary year provides wonderful assistance to the local community, as we've heard, and internationally. And it's very much in line with Rotary's theme service above self. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast is of an interview with the president of the Rotary Club of Glen Ferry in 2019-2020, Thelma Hutchison, in Rotary District 9800. The interview was conducted by Ian Salick and was presented by Jonathan Shepherd, also of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, Doing Good in Victoria, or alternatively, by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.